0: The person that we're going to talk about today is a man who probably you've all heard of. Um, he's particularly famous, I would say, in these circles, um, and his name is Hudson Taylor. Um, so many does, does anyone know of him? Has anyone heard of him? A couple of you. Okay. So I'm actually going to focus uh, not on his later life when he became very famous, but actually focus on his early life, because actually... When I was um, reading about him, his early life is what made, um, well, it impacted me more, perhaps, than his later life, actually. So I'm going to tell you um, the first part of his life when he was actually quite young. All right, so we need to travel back to England and to the 1800s. So this is a time before a telephone has been invented. In, In fact, Most of his life he lived before telephones had even been invented. This was the era of travelling on the high seas. Um, It was also the era where many countries had not been explored yet. So we've got to keep that in mind when we think of his story. Now Hudson Taylor was born on the 21st of May 1832. And uh, he was born into a very, very godly family. His uh, father was a Methodist preacher. He he wasn't a clergyman or anything like that. He simply travelled around and preached in different churches. Um, and both his parents were very, very devout people. They were they were really strong Christians who really loved the Lord. And they used they saw the Bible as a very practical guidebook for life. And Hudson Taylor was born into this family. Um, now Hudson's father, James, was actually a, a chemist by trade and he, um, he had a shop in the, the high Street of the town in Yorkshire, which is the top of England. Um, they weren't a very wealthy family but um, they certainly had the means to survive and Hudson grew up in a very comfortable home. actually just before he was born, uh, Hudson Taylor's father, who um, really, as I said, saw the Bible as a, a practical guidebook. He read a verse that said sanctify unto me all all the firstborn. And when Hudson's father read that and they knew that they were expecting a child anytime soon, he saw that as not something that was an Old Testament law or something that was cultural to the Hebrews but something that God told him to do. So when he read that verse he and his wife knelt down and together they prayed and they gave the Lord, their firstborn child. At that, at that time, they didn't know if it was a son or a daughter. And they they really believed that their firstborn child was to be the Lord's and to be for the Lord's work. <clears throat> now, when Hudson Taylor was born, he grew up in this very ordered Christian home. Um, it was very disciplined, and uh, his fa- the father often had people coming into the house often missionaries, other preachers. And so Hudson Taylor grew up in a, in a home where he was able to, to hear stories about different missionaries who travelled you know, into far-off lands and, and so on. Um, now, to give you an idea of the level of discipline in the home, and this was the 1800s when children were seen and not to be heard, um, there's a little account of when Hudson Taylor was uh, about five years old. And uh, he was told that he was not to uh, speak at the dinner table, particularly when they had guests. So when they had guests, he was to sit in silence and to listen to the conversation. He was not ever to interrupt or to ask for anything or call out or do anything like that. So five-year-old Hudson Taylor was sat at the table one day and they had all these guests for dinner and the mum was rushing around and serving the dinner to all these guests and she actually forgot her own son. So he was sat with an empty dinner plate and everyone else was talking and they were discussing and so on and and he was sat there looking at his dinner plate trying to work out how he would be able to get his mother's attention without being heard and also if he couldn't ask for anything what he was going to do. So halfway through the meal when he was getting very, very hungry he uh, decided that there was one thing he could ask for and it was the salt. So a little voice piped up and said, excuse me, could you please pass the salt? And the gentleman on his left sort of said, certainly, and passed him the salt and said, boy, what do you need the salt for? You haven't got any food on your plate. And he said, I'm just getting ready. I know my mama will remember me by and by. <laughs> and so that was one little account of uh, the level of discipline in this home. Um, and uh, yeah, and Hudson Taylor sort of grew up in this environment. Now, he did have a younger sister by the name of Amelia, and um, she was four years younger than him. Now, Hudson Taylor's uh, family, they were very, very uh, strong believers, as I said, and every day they would have family worship. So, And the father was very strict on ensuring that the children really heard the Bible spoken and, and he would uh, read a passage and explain it to them starting from Genesis and finishing with Revelation. They would go through the whole Bible. Um, he would pray with them but he also really emphasised the importance of private time as well. So he insisted that all his family have a time and a place to be alone with the Lord and this is, this is what Hudson Taylor, you know, this is the way he grew up and these are the habits he formed from a very, very young age. Now, a little later on. Um, oh, one more thing I need to mention. During this period of time, we need to remember that um, um, there were it was the age of exploration, and many, uh, you know, countries like Australia had only just been settled, and and that type of thing. Um, now, Hudson Taylor had this little pamphlet at home, and it was a little pamphlet on China, and. In this time, the 1830s, China was very much an undiscovered place. Um, Very few Europeans had even ventured inland. The only Europeans who had gone there were pretty much were there for trade and pretty much went to the ports. So it was Shanghai and Hong Kong that was kind of the only contact people had with China. But Hudson Taylor, as a little boy, had this little pamphlet about China, and he, as a little kid, used to read it. And he was very fascinated with this far-off eastern land, with its traditions, its people, and he actually memorised the pamphlet from cover to cover. So he grew up hearing about missionaries. He had this interest in China, stirred by this little pamphlet, and uh, he lived in a very godly home. Now, we'll fast forward a little bit to when he was a teenager. Um, He was about 17 years old. And if you looked on the outside you would have seen a boy who was disciplined, he had very good habits, he was in a godly home and on the outside you would think that he was a very strong Christian. But actually inwardly he was not. Um, He was full of rebellion and unbelief and he was getting tired of keeping the facade of this Christian life going. Um, And he was becoming very tired of the the ritual of reading the Bible and praying and all those things because it really, although he knew the Bible from cover to cover, it didn't live for him. It was pretty much dead. And he was really getting tired of this. Now, when he was 17, he also got a job in a bank as a clerk. And suddenly he was exposed to a whole new, like a group of people. He was working with younger people as well who um, were very sceptical about religion. They used to laugh at you know, religion and say, you know, oh, it's for the old-fashioned people and so on. And they used to laugh at the idea of you know, having to spend all this time going to church and attending things. And he, he wished that he could be like them. You know, they spent all their time hunting. That was the latest thing. Hunting and they would go around and go visit different pubs around the town and they would would travel together and do things. And he would go home and attend meetings. And he was becoming very sick of this. And he was desperate to become like these friends and have that freedom. And uh, perhaps, thankfully, but uh, it wasn't for him, uh, at the bank, because he worked long hours... Um, and because this was the time before light bulbs and electricity and all that, he had to work with gas lamps and kerosene and all that kind of stuff. So when he was working late and in the dark, uh, the gas and the kerosene actually caused an irritation in his eyes, so bad that he actually had to leave the bank. Um, And so after this period of getting to know these people and being very much influenced by them, he suddenly became quite ill and, and had to leave the bank. Um, And he realised he couldn't really do that work. And so he left and he was pretty miserable. He had, had a taste of the freedom of the world and he really wanted it. But he had to keep up this facade of Christianity. Now his father decided to apprentice him as a chemist, so like a pharmacist in his shop. And so he worked with his father in the shop And it wasn't good because there was a lot of friction between the son, Hudson, and his father um, because Hudson Taylor was very dissatisfied inwardly and he was not a happy boy at all. And his father was a very stern and strict man and didn't understand what Hudson Taylor was going through at this point and there was a lot of problem between them. Now his mother understood him a whole lot better um, and she could see that the issue with him was that he needed to know the Lord personally. He hadn't known the Lord personally. And of course, he he perhaps at a young age had prayed a prayer and so on, but really deep down, he hadn't known the Lord personally. And so she determined to pray for him every day. Now actually, Amelia, his younger sister, who was only 13 at the time, was probably the closest to Hudson Taylor during this period. And he used to confide in her and and say things, you know, tell her his frustrations and his anger and his misery. And she understood, even as a young girl, she understood that the issue with him was he wasn't converted. He wasn't saved. That was the issue. And so she wrote in her journal that she would pray for Hudson Taylor, her big brother, three times a day until he was converted. Now... A little later, um, Hudson Taylor had a day off work and he was at home alone and uh, his mother was actually staying with friends a good 80 miles away in some other town and Amelia was out and so on. So Hudson Taylor was at home all by himself and uh, he was bored. So he went to the library, his uh, father's bookshelf, and he was looking to try and find a book that he hadn't read and he saw a little basket of gospel tracts like pamphlets and he kind of rolled his eyes and he actually said out loud, salvation's not for me. But he thought, often these gospel <coughs> tracks have an interesting little illustration or an anecdote or a story right at the beginning. So he thought, I'm just going to read that beginning part of the uh, gospel track and then flick, you know, just put it aside. I'm not going to read the gospel. He knew it anyway. It was too familiar. So he thought he would just read the anecdotes and uh, pass the time that way. So he picked up one and he was looking at it and he read the words the finished work of Christ. And he thought to himself what is that finished work? What is that finished work? And immediately he answered himself because he really did understand the scripture having been immersed in it from a young age and he immediately answered and said the atonement my debt has been paid by the death of Christ on the cross. But then suddenly it was as if He heard those words for the first time. Now, meanwhile, 80 miles away in a friend's place, his mother was sat at a dinner table and suddenly she felt a great urge to get up and she felt like she needed to pray. And so she excused herself from the dinner table and she walked to a room, closed the door and dropped to her knees and had this great urge to pray for her son. And she prayed for hours and then... She felt the Lord tell her that he had been converted. And so she thanked the Lord. Meanwhile, Hudson Taylor was back looking at the pamphlet thinking about that finished work of Christ. And then he thought to himself, if the debt debt has been paid, and if my sin has been completely dealt with on the cross, what is there left for me to do? And suddenly it dawned on him that it was the finished work of Christ. It's finished. It's complete. And there was nothing more for him to do. And Hudson Taylor later wrote that it was like light flashed into his soul. Suddenly he had un- understood the words that he had, un- had known and read for years and years and years, but were so lifeless to him. Suddenly this, the idea of Christ's death and resurrection became real. And he fell to his knees. He asked the Lord for forgiveness, for his rebellion, his unbelief, and his pride. And he asked the Lord to come into his life. Now, a little while later, um, Amelia came back and, and Hudson Taylor it took him a few days actually to tell, to tell her what had happened and that he had truly, truly been converted. And um, a little while after that, um, uh, in fact, two weeks later, his mum came back home. And Hudson Taylor was very keen to tell her the good news. And so he met her as she was coming towards the house and said, Mum, I have some good news for you. And she said, Yes, I know. I know, my boy. And he thought, What? Did Amelia break her promise and write you a letter or tell you? And she said, No, 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 my boy. God told me. And so, and and Hudson Taylor couldn't believe it, but his mum already knew what had happened. Now the next day he was going to jot some notes down in a journal and he picked up his journal and flipped it open and realised it wasn't his journal after all, it was Amelia's journal. And he looked and there was a little entry dated a month previously and he saw that it was written I will promise, I'm I'm going to pray for my big brother three times a day until he's converted. And Hudson Taylor read that from his younger sister and he had a very strong sense that the Lord had called him and that the Lord was going to do something in his life. He felt very much that the Lord had sort of chosen him. Now, he was so full of joy in these few months after he was converted, he... um, he really wanted to evangelize. He he just loved the idea he, he really understood the idea of a new life because for him, you know, all those habits that he had formed as a young boy, you know, reading the Bible, praying, the Bible was so familiar to him. He knew it because he had read this this the scripture from cover to cover since he was like four years old. His father had explained it to him and so on. So he was very familiar with the scripture. He was very familiar with prayer, but suddenly these routine things had meaning for him. And it, he found it very easy to sit and read and understand things. And he, he really wanted to share this with many other people. And so he and Amelia would spend their Sunday evenings, because Sunday is the only day off, Um, at that time. Uh, They would spend their Sunday evenings going around to the poorer parts of town um, with food hampers and gospel tracts and he would talk to people all the time and he was very, very eager. Now he was still 17 years old at this point. Um, However in a little while there were some changes. One change was that Amelia was enrolled into a girls school and she had to move to her aunt's place which was in another town and then her cousin, um, well, Hudson and Amelia's cousin, was going to come and live with them. Now, the cousin, John, was going to live in Hudson Taylor's room, and so suddenly he didn't have as much privacy, and he was with his cousin. Now, it was good fun. He, they really enjoyed it. But uh, he found that he had less time, and he had less privacy, and he, he started there, were, there started to be a little more friction at work as well. And he did work very long hours. And soon he found himself becoming irritated and dissatisfied. And all that joy that he had from the few months after he was converted was sort of just fading away and became a memory more than anything. And he felt quite... he he was angry with himself. And he realised that, you know, Paul wrote in Romans... What Paul wrote in Romans was kind of describing him. You know, the things I want to do, that's what I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, that's what I keep on doing. And he was very frustrated with himself and frustrated at his own lack of living out this new life that he knew that God had given him. And he felt like he was sliding backwards. And so one day he was so angry with himself and frustrated that he... Fell onto his knees and he prayed, and he said to the Lord, "You know what is wrong with me? Why is it that I can't live out this new life that you've given me?" And he prayed, and he said to the Lord, "I want you to take all of me. I want, to, I want you to have my life, my everything." And he felt like he wanted to offer himself on an altar for the Lord, and he prayed this very fervently and he said lord you know i know you've called me so use me for your work and he offered everything to the lord and when he was praying this he said he wrote later he it was almost like he wished he could take it back because he felt like he'd made a covenant with god in offering himself and it was so serious to him that he was almost scared at what he'd done and he really strongly felt when he was praying, that the Lord said, I accept your offering. And as he got up from his knees, it was like he heard a voice. And the voice said to him very clearly, then go for me to China. Now, we've got to remember that China was a very unknown place at this point. So it's, it's sort of like someone saying, then go for me to the moon. Because people didn't know anything about China. You couldn't just find a book about China. You couldn't just learn the language of China. The 17-year-old was being sent to China and he, he knew that the Lord had sent him, but he had no idea how he would ever get there. He had no idea what, what steps he needed to take in order to get there. It would be an eight-month journey on a ship. It would, um, he, he doesn't know anything about the culture, the language, nothing. And in fact, very few people did at that time. But Hudson Taylor was not deterred by this, and he felt very, very strongly from that point on that the Lord had called him to be a missionary in China, and he felt very keenly the um, the need for the Chinese people. He used to, you know, he used to say, hundreds of millions of people in China have never even heard of the Bible or even this man called Jesus, and there are millions of people sat in the pews in these English churches and they're not doing anything about it. He really keenly felt the need and from that point on, he knew that his life's purpose was to go to China. Now, he was very young at this time and so he understood only a few things. One is that if he was going to go to China as a missionary, it would be hard. It would be very difficult. So the first thing he did was he gave away his feather mattress and he slept on bare boards because he wanted to get himself used to a hard life. And he had a comfortable home, so he, he wanted to try and make do. So that was the first thing he did. The second thing is, because, you know, as as I said, they had many people coming through the house, many missionaries and so on coming um, in and out, he'd met a missionary and he, he used to talk to people all the time. And he met a man who'd actually been a missionary to China and had just... Had, had hadn't gone through, into China, but had gone to Shanghai, and he had a copy of the Gospel of Luke in Chinese, in the in the characters. And so he, when Hudson Taylor, this young boy, said, "I know that the Lord has called me to China," this this old missionary said, "Well, you can have this Gospel of Luke." And so Hudson Taylor had the Gospel of Luke in, with the Chinese characters, and so he determined that he would he would use this to learn Chinese, the writing. So what he did was he would open the Gospel of Luke and open his Bible, and he'd find a verse in English, then he'd find another verse in English which had similar wording or some a word that was the same, and then he would look the those corresponding verses up in the Chinese, look for the common characters, note it down in a book, and in this meticulous way, like through elimination and matching and, and all that, he learned 500 Chinese characters. And so this was a young teenage boy who really had no idea how on earth the Lord would get him to China. But he was very clear that he needed to do some things to actually uh, be able to be prepared for this mission. Now, um, at the time, because he had a very clear calling. And his parents, um, his father and his mother, also re- were very supportive of this because they knew that their firstborn son, they'd offered him to the Lord. They were not surprised. And his mother had kept a little journal and she sort of said, you know, faithful is God who's, who's called him, my son, and he will do it. So she also really believed that somehow her son would, in fact, be a missionary in China. And so you know, they helped through their networks. They, they tried to uh, get in touch with different mission societies just so that he could learn more about what it would take to become a missionary. And there was actually one book written about China by a missionary and he managed to borrow it from a library and, and read it. And all of these opportunities he treated as gold because they were so, it was very rare to actually find someone who, um, who had, had actually visited China. Um, one of the mission societies that he, um, he made contact with said, you know, oh yes, you're a young boy, you're you know 18 years old, but what you could do and what would be very, very useful because China is a very closed country to missionaries. They don't like Europeans or the white people at all. So what you need to do is maybe equip yourself with another skill, perhaps medicine, something like that. Because if you have that extra skill, you're more likely to be allowed in because you can offer practical help. And so Hudson Taylor took this on board immediately and he decided that he wanted to study medicine um, in order to be useful on the mission field and and be able to give practical help as well. Now in these days, um, in the 1800s we're talking about, the way you studied medicine was firstly you did an apprenticeship. So you were apprenticed with a doctor and you did all the odd jobs for the doctor and you watched what the doctor was doing. And then the next step would be to go to college and so on. Um, and then when, when you're at college, you were also working in a hospital. So it was, you had to study and work at the same time. And that was kind of the process. And then there was another college you had to go to and so on. So it was a lengthy process. So Hudson Taylor determined to find himself an apprenticeship and to start this process of becoming a doctor so that he would actually be useful on the mission field. About the same time, Amelia came home for the holidays and she brought with her um, one of her friends, a music teacher by the name of Miss V. We don't actually know her full name. It's just Miss V. And, And this was a very interesting development because she was a very beautiful girl and she sang so sweetly and in very little time she won Hudson's Heart and Hudson Taylor realized that he was very much attracted to this this, this lady Miss V. But he also realized and recognized that this was a distraction. Now on the outside she was a very um, she was a lovely lady she was um, a Christian and there was everything and Amelia was so happy because she was like, oh yay because my friend and my brother you know she was very very happy about it. but Hudson Taylor realized that his life as a missionary, would be very hard and he wouldn't have any means to support a wife, particularly at this point. And he determined not to let his affections be known. But unfortunately, you know, Miss V was also very much attracted to Hudson. And so it, it it was becoming a very big distraction. Now, around the same time, Hudson Taylor did actually get an apprenticeship with a doctor's, um, in a doctor's surgery um, in Hull, which is sort of in the middle of England. Um, and uh, Dr Hardy said that he would take Hudson Taylor on and uh, he would be an apprentice. And Hudson Taylor's heart skipped a beat because Hull was just near where Amelia was going to school and where Miss V was living as well and working. And so he was thinking, i was actually closer to her than ever before. I'm not just going to see her you know, once a year when they break or whatever, but I, I could run into her on any day. And he was very, very happy about this. But at, at the same time, he did recognise that this was a distraction. Now, to add to that, although Miss <laughs> V was very much um, loved to listen to um, Hudson Taylor and knew of his passion for the Chinese people she started making comments like, must you go to China? It's so far away, and things like that. And he knew in his heart of hearts that she didn't share. She did not share his calling, and she didn't treat it seriously. And uh, she hoped it was perhaps a passing phase. And Hudson Taylor recognised this and realised that this relationship was not to be, and it was something he had to lay down in order to continue with the Lord's call. Now, he lived with his aunt in Hull, and he worked very, very long hours. Now, in those days, um, there's no such thing as an eight-hour day. It was a 12-hour day. Um, And he worked uh, 12 hours with the doctor, but he also had to study at the same time and and start to learn different things uh, about medicine and so on. So it was a very, very full life. So he lived with his aunt and his aunt's family. They were they were Christians as well. They were busy in the church. They did had all sorts of meetings. He was busy as an apprentice. Um, every, but he, he lived comfortably. You know everything was done. The meals were on the table, etc., etc. But it was a very busy household, and he became very busy. And he had very little time to think or do anything. And he certainly had very little alone time because he was often sharing a room and so on. And after a little a Little while he actually felt the Lord say to him, You need to move. And you know, it was very convenient living with his aunt, it was not far to go to, to work, and there you know, everything was there for him, and, and so on. But the Lord sort of put it on his heart that he needed to live live away. And it didn't sort of make sense, you know, living with family is better, isn't it? Um, but the Lord kept sort of saying to him, You need to, to move. And so now Hudson Taylor did get a wage, so he did earn some money as an apprentice. Not much, mind you, but he did earn some money. And so he thought to himself, well, I need to find somewhere to live that's very that's not going to be expensive, so that I can actually save as much of my wage as possible to support myself because. Down the track, I'm going to have to pay my way to get to China. I'm not going to rely on people just to support me all the time. And also, he wanted to be generous. He wanted to be able to give to people um, because he didn't only have a heart for the Chinese. He also had a heart for anyone around him. And so he decided to look in the poorest part of town. And he found a room for rent in a place called Drainside, Now, Drainside was like a slum in the outskirts of the town. So you had the town of Hull here, and then there was a wasteland. And if you crossed the wasteland on this other side, there was this row of terrace houses, identical with grey stone brick and identical buildings. And this row of terrace houses was called Drainside. And it was called Drainside because in the middle was like this shallow canal. And in the shallow canal, people threw all their sewerage and their food scraps and their waste and it just festered and turned into this sludge. And every so often when the tide was high, it would wash all this stuff away. But in the between times, the place really stank. It was a really, really horribly uh, horrible place, and it was certainly for the very poor. But he found a room here, and he uh, rented a room from a lady who was the wife of a sailor. And she was desperate for a lodger, because sailors were notorious for not quite sending their you know, the half salary home they would sometimes use it all and um, spend it and, and never quite have enough to send home etc. So she, she, hadn't, she didn't have a very um, solid income and she was so happy to find someone to lodge um, in her downstairs room the room was tiny um, it had a small fireplace, a bed um, a, a small table and a basin, that's pretty much it And that's where Hudson Taylor lived and they shared this sort of kitchen where they could put a pot over the fire and so on. And uh, he he found this very dreary, cold room in the slums and he felt like this was where the Lord wanted him to be. Now he soon realised why. He suddenly had a lot more time to himself. And it was like the Lord was training him to be alone. To have that lonely time and to use that time to pray and to really um, seek the presence of the Lord. He was nowhere near as busy because he, you know, after work and the long hours of work, he would have a long walk home on his own across the wasteland and then he would have his solitary room where he would uh, live and, and there was no one to interrupt him. Now, he did find it very dreary, you know, from the busy family life of living with his aunt or living at home in comfort, he found this very, very dreary, but he understood that it was so necessary. Now, in order to save his wage as much as possible, he decided to do away with meat, butter, uh, dairy, milk, cheese, all of those, what, well, they're not really luxuries, but they were seen for, as, to him as luxuries. And he decided the cheapest way to live was on oats and, and rough barley. And so literally he would have boiled oats and and barley. That's kind of his meal. And he would have that day after day. So it was hardly a proper meal. And he was living in this dreary place. But he also realised that there in Drainside was a mission field. All around him were people who needed help. Um, It was such a poor area. And there were people struggling all the time. And he spent his time either in his room or out with all these people who lived in that part of town. Now, he also felt that the Lord wanted to teach him and prepare him um, in different ways. And one way that he, he really wanted uh, to learn, he, he wanted to learn to depend on the Lord entirely. Now, the doctor that he worked for, Dr. Hardy, was a very forgetful man, and he had a very, very busy practice. And uh, Hudson Taylor was in the habit Of a few days before his salary was due, he would sort of uh, tap the doctor on the shoulder and say, tomorrow, you know, I need to be paid. Um, And the doctor was fine with that because he actually said, oh, you'll have to remind me, I'll forget otherwise. So, yeah, that's fine, you remind me and I'll pay you. But Hudson Taylor felt that the Lord was telling him not to remind the doctor anymore and just to trust him. And so Hudson Taylor thought, okay, that's what I'll do. And he determined never to ask the doctor for his wage. And so, of course, the day of that he was due his wage came, and the doctor forgot. And Hudson Taylor thought, Oh, yeah, typical. But anyway, there's always tomorrow. But the days passed, the weeks passed, and the doctor just completely forgot. And Hudson Taylor was starting to get a very quite worried because uh, he needed to pay rent. He had to buy his food. And although he was living so frugally, uh, his money didn't stretch that far. And so after a while, one, one day he was home and he was looking at his money and he realized he had one coin left. It was a half crown, which if we make it equivalent in our money, it's kind of like a $5 note. So it's not going to get you very much. But that's what he had. And he realised he just had this left. Not only that, but he had no food left as well. So he had the porridge that he'd cooked that night and he realised that the leftovers was going to be his breakfast and that was it. And he was looking at this one coin and said, Lord, you know, maybe I should tap the doctor on the shoulder. But he felt the Lord was like, no, you need to depend on me and trust me. Now that evening there was a knock at the door. And uh, Hudson Taylor went to the door, and it was an Irishman who lived in the neighborhood. Hudson Taylor was known, of course. And this Irishman came and said, please, sir, can you come? My wife is really sick. I want you to pray for her. I don't think she'll last till the morning. And Hudson Taylor said, of course. But then said, you know, you're Irish. Why didn't you call the priest? Because all the Irish were Catholic. And he said, oh, the priest charges too much money, and I can't afford it. So Hudson Taylor uh, went with this Irishman, and they climbed. They went into the into the house, and this family was renting a room upstairs in a similar sort of um, building that Hudson Taylor lived. And so as Hudson Taylor climbed up the stairs and he looked into this dim room, it was squalid, and in the corner were some children who looked so malnourished, and he could see straight away that this family was starving. And on the straw in the corner, the wife was lying. And she'd given birth to a child a week earlier. And she was so weak, because she was starving as well, that she was going to die. And the newborn baby was tiny. And wasn't even crying, was just moaning, didn't have the energy to cry. And Hudson Taylor looked and he could see that this family really needed help. And he, so he, he got into his knees and he prayed for them. And he implored them. To hear the gospel and to receive the Lord. But as he was doing this, the Holy Spirit was poking him and saying, You've got a means to practically support this family. And this Irishman said, Please, so, you know, thank you, thank you, but is there anything you can give us? We are starving, we have nothing. I have nothing to feed my children. Is there anything, please? And Hudson Taylor wished that his coin was in smaller denominations. 'cause he wished he could give them half and save half for himself. But uh, and he he said, well, I'll pray for you again. But the but the all his words were falling flat. And he felt like the Lord was saying, You hypocrite, how dare you? How dare you preach the gospel and, and say that these people should have eternal joy and all this all these words when you have the means to practically support them and you're not doing it. You're withholding it. And so As Hudson Taylor was talking to these people, he really felt the Lord was saying, give them that coin. And so finally he reached into his pocket and he pulled out this half crown. And he said, sir, you might think I'm a rich man, but this is my last coin. And the Lord has told me that I need to give it to you. And so, of course, this man was so happy. I mean, in those days, uh, five the half crown would it be able to buy medicine and some food? And so he was so grateful. And Hudson Taylor left with completely empty pockets, um, but he was joyful because he knew he'd done the right thing. Now that uh, he, he found out later that you know the, the woman survived and the man was able to buy food and cook food and the children lived and the newborn survived as well so he knew that he'd done the right thing but when he got home he kind of thought to himself well Lord it's all over to you now I literally have nothing and so the next morning as he was finishing that the leftover porridge and he thought to himself that's it I've got nothing now I don't have any means to buy not even like a little bag of oats nothing I can't even do that and um, he, he had no means of getting any uh, income. I think the next day was perhaps, I don't know, a Monday or something, and he wasn't able to get, he, he knew he wouldn't be paid on that day. So he thought, well, Lord, what am I going to do now? And soon enough, there was a sort of a thud, and he looked, and the post had arrived. And so he went to look, and there was a pile of letters, and some were for the sailor's wife, and so on, but he saw there was one for him, and he thought, that's unusual. He didn't often get posts and if he did it was from his family and they only wrote on certain days and he knew they wouldn't have written him a letter on Sunday. And he looked and there was no return address. So he opened it and inside was a piece of paper and he unfolded the piece of paper and it was completely blank. But inside was a half sovereign. In our equivalent it would be a $20 note. Four times what he would given away. And he looked and he, he knew that it was from God himself. And he had the money now to buy food for the whole week. And so he thought, well, I'm learning here. But he still didn't tell the doctor. And uh, the doctor forgot, just continued to forget. And those days went past, the weeks went past. And soon, it was coming up to the time when Hudson Taylor would have to pay his rent. And he had nothing now, again, and he thought to himself, "Lord, here I am again, and this time not only do I not have food, but I'm not able to pay the sailor's wife, and and she she needs it. I can't if I can go hungry, but she can't go hungry. She has children to feed as well. What are you going to do, Lord?" And so, when he was at work that day, he was sat there, um, and uh, he was boiling some powders or something and mixing some stuff for the doctor, and And uh, he was doing this, and uh, the doctor wandered in and sat down at his desk, and he was flipping through his accounts and said, ''Ah, Taylor, I don't think I've paid you for a while. Is that so?'' And Hudson Taylor could not contain his excitement. He was so excited that he had to try and control his voice and said, ''Oh, uh, no, you haven't paid me for a while.'' And he was so thankful. And he thanked the Lord. And he said, oh, thank you, Lord. It's just at the last minute. I knew if I had faith enough that you would come through. And then the doctor said, ah, I wish you'd told me earlier. I've just put all the money in the bank. You'll have to wait till next week. (laughs) And Hudson Taylor was horrified. And he actually burst into tears. But just at that moment, the test tubes bubbled over. And he had to rush over. So the doctor didn't see. And he was grateful for that. But he cried. He was that devastated. And he thought, Lord, why? And I can't wait another week? And so he was there and he was doing his work and he'd sort of thought it through and thought, no, just trust the Lord. Anyway, he was packing up his things and it was about 10 o'clock at night, which is sort of when they finished work. And he was sort of cleaning up and packing his things and there was a crunch of footsteps outside. And the doctor came back in and he plopped down at his desk and said, ah, you won't believe it, Taylor. A very odd thing just happened. One of my richest clients has just come, knocked on the door, and it's 10 o'clock, and said that he felt that he really needed to settle his account immediately at 10 o'clock. Very strange. Never happened before. And so Hudson Taylor didn't think anything of it. He was still feeling quite deflated and he just packed and said, "Oh yes, and then uh, the doctor was marking it into his accounts and said, I oh, will tell you, you, better, you might as well have this uh, money and I'll, I'll pay you the balance next week. And Hudson Taylor was so shocked, he wasn't expecting that. And so, with his pocket full of coins again, his, his wage, he walked home and he said to the Lord, Lord, I might yet go to China. Now, after this time, um, Dr. Hardy was very much impressed with uh, Hudson Taylor and he actually offered Hudson Taylor uh, sort of the next level of support, so supporting at college so he could do the next step of his um, like not apprenticeship, but to become a doctor. Um, but Hudson Taylor didn't have peace about this, and he really did feel that the Lord was telling him to go to London. Now London was where everything was, including all the mission societies that were all based there, the ships left from London and so on. So it was as if the Lord was saying, the next step is coming. And so Hudson Taylor declined that um, very generous offer by the doctor and um, he decided to move to London. Now there in London, the mission society that he had had contact with previously um, had said to him, you know, we will support you in your studies if you want to become a doctor because we know that that's very useful for missionaries, so we're going to support you. So he wrote to them and said, I've come to London and I'm wondering if you'll still support me um, to to do the next step, to go to college and work as an intern in a hospital. And they, they were very happy for that and they, they were keen that he was, they, they were happy that he was actually keen to to become a missionary and so on. And so they supported him and he uh, had a flat with his cousin. Uh, He again rented a little room. And uh, he worked in a hospital um, and he also studied in that same hospital. So he was doing a bit of study and working. Now, he'd been to London once before. Um, He'd actually visited there um, with his sister um, because there was a German missionary who had come uh, from China... And he'd actually, this German missionary had actually ventured a little bit inland, just a little bit, and had probably seen more of China than many others. And he was speaking at some different churches in London. And so Hudson Taylor had actually travelled down just to hear him speak. And he'd heard him speak, and then at the end, he, you know, met different people, and he went to this German missionary, this older man, and he said to him. Oh, sir, um, I too am going to be called to go to China. Now, you've got to remember, this is 18-year-old Hudson Taylor talking. And uh, he was a skinny little boy, of course, because of his diet. And he was blonde hair and blue eyes and so on. And uh, this German missionary took one look at him and laughed uproariously and said, You called to be a missionary to China? My goodness, they called me the Red Devil. What are they going to call you? Look at you, blonde hair, blue eyes. They will not listen to a word you say. And he walked off laughing. But Hudson Taylor was not deterred by this. And he said to this German missionary, he said, No, sir, God has called me to become a missionary to China and I can assure you that he knows the colour of my hair and eyes. So that was the first time he went to London. Now, Here he was in London again, and again his schedule was punishing. It was very difficult to study and work at the same time. They were required to be at the hospital for many hours, 12 hours um, plus the study. And again he was trying to save as much of his meager income as possible to support himself, not only that, to be able to give generously to others around him. And so he discovered that the cheapest way to live was to eat this poor man's loaf, which was brown bread, coarse sort of brown bread, um, water and a couple of apples. That was the cheapest, it almost cost him nothing. It was like a penny loaf or something. Um, But of course this was not an adequate diet for someone who was on their feet all day in the hospital plus studying um, late at night. Plus he had a two hour round trip walk to the hospital every day, rain, hail or shine, because he didn't want to spend any of his money on a bus Um, because that was quite expensive in those days. So he was living on this bread, water and a couple of apples when he could get them. And it was such a frugal diet that he actually had to ask the baker to cut the loaf in half because had he uh, just had the whole loaf, he would have eaten it all in one go. He was always famished and hungry. But he saw this as his training and he also was so focused on making sure that he would have the money to give when he needed to and also to support himself um, because he could smell that China was very close. And so in this way he lived. Now one day when he was uh, back at his flat, he was um, doing some sewing and he pricked his finger. He thought nothing of it, of course, and he continued on. And the next day when he was at the hospital... Um, they were going to do an autopsy. And they were doing an autopsy of a man who died from a terrible, terrible fever, very contagious. And the the professor said to them, uh, make sure you're careful here. If you even scratch yourself with one of these scalpels, you will definitely get this fever. So you must be careful. So, of course, Hudson Taylor and his his other friends and colleagues were very, very careful as they did this autopsy. Now, after a little while, just that afternoon... Hudson Taylor had a very sharp pain all the way through his arm. And not only that, but he started to sweat profusely and he was shaking to the point where he could hardly stand up. And uh, his friends were a bit concerned and and the professor came and and Hudson explained his, his symptoms and the professor said, boy, get yourself a cab, get your affairs in order, you're a dead man. And Hudson Taylor smiled weakly and said, no, sir, if I'm not mistaken, the Lord has some work for me to do. But he was very, very sick. He had contracted that fever through the little prick in his finger that he'd forgotten all about. And he didn't have the money for the trip home. And the reason he didn't have the money was another incident that occurred. You see, what had happened was um, the, the the sailor's wife, um, she, of course... Uh, was rarely getting the income from her husband. But you see, the shipping office where the salaries came in was actually in London. And so Hudson Taylor, as to serve her and to help her, decided that he would go regularly to the shipping office and on the day that the salary was sort of um, put in to the shipping office, he would withdraw the half that was meant to go to her and send it on to her directly because that way she would be assured of getting this regular income where her husband was not so... um, uh, well, he, he wasn't as good at doing that. And so he had decided to do this. But because he'd been studying late at one particular day, um, he missed that day when he could go in and the shipping office had already closed. So he'd actually sent his own money to the lady so she would get the same amount that particular week. And he thought that he would just go to the shipping office the next day and I'm sure the money would be there and then he would be able to just get that money back. But you see, the next day when he went, he went up to the clerk at the, the office And he sort of explained and the Clark Newman said, oh, that man, that sailor, well, he's gone off, he's run off to the the gold diggings and he's taken all the money. And so Hudson Taylor, again, was very, very short of money. So for that reason, he couldn't even afford the cab home from the hospital. And so he had to sort of, um, he staggered home, constantly resting and he was shaking and very, very, very sick. And for the last half journey, because remember, this is a, two hour round trip that he had to walk. Um, He actually had to take a bus because he could hardly walk, he could hardly stand. So he spent a little bit of his money on the bus and he got home. And when he got home he lanced his finger as they did in those days to let out the poisoned blood. Um, But um, before he knew it he was unconscious and he collapsed onto the floor. Now his cousin found him and of course must have called the uncle and so on and, and when Hudson Taylor sort of came to, he found himself in bed and there was a doctor and the doctor had said, was saying, you know, if he's, if he's a strong lad and if he's been, you know, having a good diet then he'll pull through, he'll be all right. Um, but uh, perhaps not as well It's, it's really touch and go and Hudson Taylor could hear this conversation. And he thought to himself, well Lord, you know, if you want me for your work You have to do a miracle here because, of course, his diet had been very poor. So weeks passed, and he was really, really sick, but he did pull through. And by the end of these few weeks, he was a shadow of a man. He really was so weak. And the doctor saw him again and, and said to him, you know, you need to get back to Yorkshire where your family are You need to really recover, otherwise you'll sort of never be able to do all the normal things that you want to do. So you've got to get back there. Um, And Hudson Taylor just smiled, thinking, he didn't have enough money to do that, didn't have enough money to get the train ticket all the way to the north of England. And um, he thought to himself, what am I going to do? Um, And he really was weak. So he thought that the Lord was saying to him, go back to the shipping office. And he thought, how am I going to get there? I don't even have the money for the bus ride. He'd used it on his last bus ride. And so he thought, well, if you want me to go there, Lord, I'll walk. And so this pale skeleton exited the flat and staggered. And every few minutes he had to lean to rest and then keep going another few minutes. So it took him ages to walk the four kilometers to the shipping office. And even when he got there, he sat on the steps because he couldn't even even imagine climbing the steps up to the the reception. So he had to sit and, and get his energy back and then he could climb the steps. And he thought to himself, Lord, this must look very funny. Here I am and you want me to go to China and I can't even climb the steps of this shipping office. But he did it and he climbed up and he saw the clerk who knew him but was absolutely horrified at his appearance. And, uh, and Hudson Taylor said, well, I'm, I'm, I've come because, well, I'm just inquiring about the man that ran off for the gold diggings. Oh, yes, said the clerk. Oh, yes, him. Oh, yeah, we had the wrong man. It was somebody by a similar name. The money's been here waiting. I'm sure his family will need it by now. And Hudson Taylor just smiled and, and the man gave him the money. And he looked at the amount and it was certainly just enough for the train ticket. And not only that, a bus ride all the way home. And so he really felt the Lord's provision. But uh, that clerk was so horrified at Hudson Taylor's appearance and his sort of weak movements that he said, Sir, how about you come and uh, share my hot lunch? And so Hudson Taylor sat in the lunchroom with this clerk and they shared the lunch, which he felt was given to him by God. And uh, during that lunchtime conversation he told this clerk everything and, and his whole story, because it was bursting with joy. And he wanted... He wanted them to know that God is faithful. And this clerk was very much impacted by Hudson Taylor's that little conversation. Now he caught the bus all the way home and the next day the doctor came and he said to the doctor that he'd been to the shipping office and he again was overjoyed and needed to share with the doctor all the things that had happened how the Lord had provided everything. And the doctor sat there and listened and shook his head and said, how on earth did you walk four kilometres to the shipping office. You're not meant to leave this flat, let alone walk anywhere. And the doctor just shook his head and said, boy, I wish I had, I would give the world to have faith such as yours. And so again, that that doctor was also very much impacted by Hudson Taylor. Now, a little while after this, um, Hudson Taylor had finished his next stage in becoming a doctor. And he felt like the Lord was telling him that he needed to, uh, that things were going to happen now very quickly. But you see, the Mission um, Society actually offered him the next stage and said, We'll support you in the next step. Um, so you can go to the next college, the College of Surgeons, and you can, you can attend there and, and so on. But that would be a few years of commitment. And Hudson Taylor did not have peace about this. And he thought to himself that the Lord maybe didn't want him to go ahead um, and get the final qualifications. It seemed silly, but he did feel that he had the knowledge set. He, he knew medicine, but he just didn't have that final qualification. And he didn't feel that the Lord wanted him to commit to those next the next stage. And so he declined. And um, he, he said to them, I, I don't feel it's right for me to commit to the, the next few years. Um, and I will, I will stop here. And so he never actually got his full qualification but he did know medicine. And um, the, it turned out that um, this was actually very timely and he, wouldn't, he didn't know that at the time but there were some things happening in China around this time. We're talking about the 1850s. Um, What was happening was, was, I think, the Taiping Rebellion. And so there were some stirrings in China. There was a a leader um, who had had heard the gospel or had a gospel tract from a missionary. But unfortunately, he had mixed the gospel with Confucianism. And he'd almost come up with a new cult. And he had many followers and leaders, and they were spreading this through China. But because of this, and because of the unrest that was created there was suddenly more of an opening in China. And suddenly they, they were actually allowing missionaries to go through like never before. And so the news came. Of course, news traveled very slowly in those days. News came back to England and said, "We need more missionaries because suddenly there more people are, you know, allowing these missionaries to go and travel through different provinces in China that they'd never been allowed to before." And there was this urgent call out for more missionaries. But of course, you know, to go to China, it was something that many many people, you know, balked at the idea of traveling that far to this unknown and strange land. So the Mission Society when they got Hudson Taylor's letter and he he explained that he did not want to continue because he felt that he couldn't commit they wrote back to him straight away and said "Um, well we're actually in urgent need for missionaries to go now and Hudson Taylor realised that that was why the Lord had told him not to make that commitment and so they said if you're willing um, we we need you Um, so of course Hudson Taylor wrote another letter back and said, yes, would you please accept my application? And that was in July. And so there was a meeting, and they uh, discussed this. They looked at his application. At this point, he was 21 years old. And they uh, they agreed to send him to China as a missionary. And so they wrote a letter back on the 9th of September and said, um, we accept your application, and uh, you need to be ready to set sail to Shanghai in 10 days. And so when he got that letter, he packed his things and he was ready. And he'd been ready for a while. And so on the 19th of September, 1853, Hudson Taylor was on his knees with his mother beside him. They were in the cabin that he would spend the next eight months. And they were praying like they'd never prayed before. And his mother was holding back a floodgate of tears. And she prayed for him, and he prayed, and and finally the horn sounded, and it was time for her to leave the ship. And she knew that leaving that ship, she might never see him again. And she left, and she stood there, and he was the only passenger on that ship. The rest were crew, because it was a cargo ship. And she stood there and watched... And he ran into his cabin and he wrote on the front page of his little pocketbook The Love of Christ That Passes Knowledge, James Hudson Taylor. And he threw it to her on the, on the deck and she got that and she kept that really close to her. And so Hudson Taylor set sail that day and made the eight-month journey towards Shanghai. And in some ways, he had embarked on his life's journey. But in other ways, that life's journey had already begun.